Hey, hey, and welcome to the Championship Week edition of the Hardwood Dynasty Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It took us two seasons and one pandemic, but after this week, we are finally going to have our inaugural Hardwood Dynasty champion, unless you ask Trevor. I was about to say, um, uh, Trevor's going to have something to say about that. <laughs> yes, he's already made uh, he's already made reference to finishing last year's suspended season in first place. Um, I was in second place, so I'm actually, um, as I lick my wounds from this year, I'm a little prone to jump on his bandwagon for legitimacy. But um, a, a playoff decided champion will be determined at the end of this week. Um, with me today, you just heard his voice, is um, playoff participant and Godzilla advocate, Max Breeze. Um, Max, welcome to Championship Week. Thanks. Uh, really sucks being here, not being in the championship. But like otherwise, I like the idea of my title being Godzilla. What was it? Godzilla champion? Godzilla and Godzilla advocate. Godzilla advocate. I'm definitely that. So <laughs> Godzilla lobbyist. For sure. For sure. That's something I would throw on a resume. <laughs> Put it on the LinkedIn. Absolutely. Uh, well, for those of you who weren't paying attention, which curious that you're listening to this podcast if you weren't at least following the playoff matchups but um we had one incredibly dramatic matchup um and then one um just just i don't want to it's a beat down i don't want to say it to where it sounds bad to chase i'm really just trying to compliment paul but just one absolute <laughs> ass kicking um by thunder down thunder from down under nine to two over the f sears um and then hong kong heroes regular season champion, um, Roto rankings champion, surviving six to five over Monstar Jams on three second half three-pointers from Jay Crowder of the Phoenix Suns for those who hadn't streamed him and didn't know where his journeyman ventures took him in the league. Um, it's to Phoenix's, Phoenix's rotation, and uh, he broke the tie with a few threes late last night to push Brennan into the championship. So... Um, Max, which do you, do you want to talk about Paul's team first, or do you kind of want to break down the nail-biter matchup first? Let's break down the nail-biter, because as somebody that had Jay Crowder on his team multiple times this season, just for random, like, oh, I need three-pointers this week, or oh, all my players are injured, which happened frequently throughout the season, um, I can't believe that a championship spot, a spot in our league championship came down to a battle for a three-point attempt between him and I'm looking for the name. Gabriel Deck of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Right, I had never heard of Gabriel Deck before. The Thunder are 1-14 in their last 15 games, so they're playing him very intentionally. But, um, yeah, I had never heard of him before. But for those who, who weren't following, they were tied 5-5 five to five on Sunday night with just the last two West Coast games going on, and they each had two guys in play, but one guy on each team is a center. Brennan had Moses Brown. Kyle had DeAndre Ayton. Neither of them, I think, had hit a three since at least 
before, at least since St. Patrick's Day, neither of them had made a three-pointer. Um, but then also had Jay Crowder. Kyle also had Gabriel Deck. The category they were tied in were three-pointers made. And at halftime of the games, neither of them had made a three. And so it really just seemed like one of these two random dudes, though Gabriel Deck is much more random, um, is going gonna, is, is gonna to happen to make a three. And that's going to – that. Jay Crowder effectively ended Kyle's season, which is very random because it's not like Brennan's in the playoffs because of Jay Crowder. Yeah, I went to sleep uh, for sure. Like I, I, I saw at halftime, okay, Jay Crowder has no three-pointers made. Gabriel Deck has no three-pointers made. They both attempted a few. And then I wake up this morning, Gabe went 0 for 4 from 3, completely letting Kyle down after he put so much faith, I'm sure, into him. Um, whereas Jay Crowder ended up three of seven from three. So it was if, which I assume Brennan was watching to the finish or at least paying attention to the finish. Um, so that yeah. had to make him feel kind of safe knowing that deck wasn't going to randomly pop off uh, a bunch of buckets there in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Brennan is the, uh, I think he's the only Eastern time zone owner in our league too. So he was that he was um, stretching it later on a school night than any of the rest of us would be if he was up watching. Uh, Kyle said he texted me today because I was like, dude, that really stinks and I'm sorry. And he was texting me today and said he was kicking himself because on Monday of last week, he added a guy, but the guy wasn't eligible in one of the spots he had vacant for a game played that day. So he, burnt, he felt like he only really used four moves. So he's like, it, the idea that I lost by three three-pointers and I kind of burned a move is... I felt really bad for him because I've fucked up like that so many times throughout the regular season. But also it's like, that's kind of what I love about. That's what you want in the playoffs. You know, you want matchups to come down to a razor thin margin of error. And so it's dramatic. At the end of the day, I think Kyle is the only person probably all season long that lost a matchup in which his team scored 923 points. That's absurd. It's an absurd yeah. number of points. Yeah, he, um, I mean, obviously I've been watching a lot of Wizards basketball and uh, I mean, he's got to keep both his Wizards. Like uh, Russell Westbrook, it, it, I, we knew he was playing hurt earlier in the year. I, it came out later, at least in the athletic, that he was playing very hurt. But since he's seemingly been more healthy, I mean, the Wizards are 15 and five in their last 20. They're playing as we speak. Um, and you know, Beal is contending for a scoring title. And I think Russ is averaging 26, 15 and 15 in that time. So like, it's like now they're one of the five best, like offensive pace teams, offensive rating teams in the NBA. Like you, it's they, now it's like, he has to keep those guys, but it's because yeah, they can propel you to such a, such insane counting stat numbers. I completely agree. Yeah. He's, he's got to keep those guys. It's not, I think we talked about it last week. Westbrook puts up these lines that you're not going to get from any other player in the NBA, especially not out of a guard spot. Like that's insane. Um, and despite the heroic performance from Jay Crowder that I'm sure we'll all remember to me, the, the big, huge shocking MVP of this matchup that I never would have guessed, especially with all the flack we've thrown at this player throughout the weeks of the podcast, Kyrie Irving delivered an insane weekly performance oh, yeah. for Brennan with 17 threes, 
shooting 53% from threes, added in five blocks, eight steals, you know, only 13 assists. But honestly, that's not that's not what he was doing. He wasn't passing the ball. He was drilling every shot. And when you talk about like, dude, they they had the same exact amount. They both their teams had 225 attempted threes. And Brennan made three more than Kyle because Kyle's team still shot a good percentage. That's Kyrie. Yep. That's Kyrie alone putting the team on his back. Yeah, 53% from three for the week is insane. It's a guy I was going to bring up from Brennan's team, uh, though I th- I was thinking earlier, go figure, I'm wrong about something. I had been thinking earlier, like, man, I wonder what Kyrie's like effort and attitude is going to be like in the last couple weeks before the playoffs, like um, that maybe don't matter as much to him, but that was wrong. He clearly cares. Uh, but the guy that was the hidden gem of the week for Brennan is – Well, I got two, I guess. One is Reggie Jackson, just because I haven't been following much of the Clippers lately, and I didn't realize he was – I knew he was a rotation player for them, but I didn't realize he was um, maybe getting the volume of minutes that he was. And then Derrick Rose of the Knicks had an awesome fucking week, and he made – I'm sure on way fewer – yeah, he made eight threes to Kyrie 17, but he shot 57% from three, and – was Brennan's third highest score for the week behind Jokic and Kyrie. And so it's like, okay, well, Derek Rose is definitely not Brennan's third best player, but he was in this matchup and he needed some of those elevated performances to beat a team. I mean, in his words, that he seemed to be the most threatened by, though now I think he's very threatened by Paul's team. Well, and he had every reason to be. You know, it came down to the wire. It was the final... It was like this is this is the most epic matchup we've seen between two teams all season. Um, I'm looking at Kyrie's stat lines because you're like, all right, I don't know how much he's gonna care. What's crazy is Durant came back last week. Kyrie put up insane stats, was just drilling threes from all over the place, and they lost four games in a row. Like they lost four games in a row and then narrowly beat Denver um on Sunday or on Saturday. Uh so it, it's interesting, just interesting to pair with some insane stat lines from him that they were losing all those games and they're supposed to be the powerhouse in the East. Yeah, well, and they're probably going to be, we'll, we'll, uh, since we only have one matchup to predict later, we'll make some real-life NBA predictions and um, some of those have to do with, with the playoffs and, and how standings will finalize in this final week. But Brooklyn's a three seed in the East right now. Uh, you know, they are, I don't think that's going to matter very much come playoff time, but they are, um, you know, it's not, they were gelling earlier and then Durant missed time and he's been in and out and Harden's not back yet. And, uh, so yeah, I don't, I, before I thought maybe they'd be kind of in cruise control at this point in the season. And now I think they're very much, um, trying to find their rhythm again offensively because yeah, they, uh, I've been looking at a lot of wizard stats and the, the nets have the best offensive rating and the fastest offensive pace in the Eastern conference. And they have the worst defensive rating in the Eastern conference, like the worst, like tanking teams allow fewer points per hundred possessions than Brooklyn does. So right. they're going to, they, they just know nobody can keep up their pace. Nobody can score. As yeah. Much as they can. But Kyrie definitely. Yeah. I think he's going to be locked in final week because they're you know the way if the season ended today they've got Miami the defending Eastern Conference champions in the first round so you have to you can't 
you know, Miami plays awesome defense. Bam's an incredible defender. Jimmy Butler's defensive record speaks for itself. You know, they're a very good defensive team. They have Iguodala now off the bench. I don't think Brooklyn would lose to them, but that's a real pain in the ass first round matchup. So yeah, oh, yeah. I think they're trying to build some momentum. Hey, uh, Russell Westbrook just broke Oscar Robertson's. Oh, good for him. Good for him. It seemed like he sure was uh, close to it before we started recording. Right. That was that it was, we knew it was coming at some point, but yeah, it just happened. Good for him. Yeah. He's been a, a revelation. Um, and yeah, he, oh. the wizards are actually losing by eight right now in a game they could really use to, for better standing in the play in tournament, but it's at Atlanta. So, I mean, Atlanta's a good team. Well, good for Brennan. Um, sorry, Kyle. And it sucks. Kyle, you know, he, he did as much as he possibly could. Uh, to put together a really stellar team that, like I said, put up some insane stats, but at, at this level, like with, with, I don't think our league will see this caliber of teams moving forward because of the balance that'll come in. Like, I don't think the difference between the first and last place team will ever be as distant as it was this season. And so this is a true, you know, it's a, uh, this is a huge, uh, roll your eyes statement, but it's a clash of the Titans. Yeah, no, I mean, I think all four of these teams, yeah, we're separated by, like you said, a distance that we'll probably never see. Um, we'll probably never see again, but I will say, and this is transitioning into the other semifinal matchup. Um, you know, part of the, part of the increased parity will be moving away further and further from the original draft. Um, you know, the talent that'll be back in this draft number three this fall is already markedly better than this past year's draft. Um, Chase, I think, has, and this is to his credit, has done the best job building from the original draft. Like a lot of his alpha players are from the original draft. Paul, yeah. who we might remember last year, was kind of fucked all year because Steph really didn't play all year. Um, this year, traded and stacked a lot of keepers like traded for a lot of dudes that he was never going to be able to keep multiple dudes that will be taken in the first round will be taken there because Paul can't keep them over Steph. And so it's sort of the two, it's sort of the two, uh, sorry, the, it's sort of the two, um, you know, varying ways to build a team. I just got a, I don't know if that audio shine through. I just got a pop-up ad on one of my little research tabs. <laughs> it was, I was frantically trying to mute the audio, but I think it's two different, you know, they took the two different approaches to building teams and Paul's still going to have fantastic keepers um, come next year, but he's not going to have the dominant talent level that he's got this year. So that with that in mind, Paul won nine to two, Max and I both kind of picked Paul to be our eventual champions um, and we'll talk more about that in predictions, but um, speaking just to going back in time in this past matchup, one thing that I sort of anticipate, I think all of us anticipated that came true is that Steph and Dame are murderers right now. And they are, I mean, we were just talking about like, wow, Jokic had 117 and um, what's his face had uh, Kyrie had 114 and Rose had 81. Those are Brennan's three top scorers. Steph had 161 points and Dame had 133 points, like markedly more than any of those dudes. They are just absolute assassins. They shot each over 45% from three. 
Dame shot 54% from three. They both shot over 90% from the free throw line. They're going to shoot more free throw attempts than anyone else on his team. So he's going to, you know, they almost win that category for him from the start. I mean, he's just got two murderers right now. I don't know what you do with that. No, that's, it's, that is exactly how he won this. Um, Chase hit some unfortunate circumstances partway through the week with Zion, and he didn't get any games from Chris Stapps this week. But, I mean, if you look at the fact that he got Durant back and Durant put up some points, Giannis uh, performed pretty well. I think he had short minutes, like 19 minutes in one game, but I, he had like one 48-point game. Uh, he, he's got great. He got over 100 points from Terry Rozier. You know, so his volume scores. Yeah, Rozier had uh, a career high forty three yesterday. I saw uh, the fourth quarter of that game, and they lost, but he was he was making anything he threw up. Yeah, so he, he, Chase was getting the points that he was used to. I think if you add in Zion, it doesn't make up. I mean, Chase lost by one hundred and twenty six points, um, and he already won rebounds. It's just every other stat. Paul was up. By a lot. Like Paul won by over 40. I think it was 45, um, 45 three pointers. And he had a right. much better three point percentage, much better field goal percentage. You're right. It was completely carried by Steph Curry and Lillard, just the two of them alone. Between the two of them, they had 54 threes made. Yep. I mean, that's, that's disgusting. You, there's no stopping that. Yep. I mean, I think, I think he's really, operating right now if they're gonna put up those numbers operating at not an ungettable level but it's going to he's somebody who you have to win the defensive categories and turnovers against like you have to get those three points uh chase to your point didn't have um chris Stapps the whole week didn't have zion most of the week i think like four sevenths of the week um and he's still one rebounding over Paul. So looking at Brennan's team and obviously his best player is Jokic, like rebounding is an area that Brennan probably has to win. It's not impossible, but it's like every one of the five categories that's not directly correlated to scoring, Brennan like has to sweep those and then just find a way to win one other category. That's not at all unrealistic, but it's like there's I can't I can't fathom a different avenue to beating Paul unless Steph or Dame sit out or get hurt or something. Yeah. Which to me, that's worst case scenario just for the league in general. Like that would just, suck. yeah, that would just be a huge bummer. Um, you know, not just this, that's not me just being a Paul Homer, but I, that's, we've had that issue. Um, it's been an issue in fantasy football in past years, like way long time ago. And we've had the issue in fantasy baseball in years past where it's like, all right, well, this team's in the playoffs. Like they're going to, play this guy two games a week and and they're they're not going to pitch their their good pitchers and things along those lines and so we're hoping that doesn't have i mean speaking from the guy that got fucked over by the thunder um <laughs> i'm hoping that doesn't have a huge effect on the championship week you more largely got uh fucked over by lebron i mean if you at least even with the thunder kind of screwing you with lou dort and with sga if you at least this is so beside the point. If you at least had LeBron, it could have been interesting. Well, that's the thing. You, had, you only interesting, had LeBron for like one game. Interesting was my ceiling uh, against Paul. Like I, I don't, <laughs> don't think at any given time I had a shot, 
Um, no, I just, the way he just beat Chase. I mean, Chase is one of the was one of the top teams all year. I mean, second regular season. So that was that was a statement win. It was a huge statement win. It was tremendous. And a big player that I'm looking at now for next year's draft. And it's, it's, I swear I've talked about this guy, like three or four different podcasts is Isaiah Stewart for Detroit. Yeah. He got 11 blocks for Paul last week. You know, that was, this was the role that what's his name. The other guy I traded to Paul uh, Plumley. Um, this is the yeah. role that Plumley was playing earlier in the season. And the writing was on the wall where there's nothing for Detroit to gain to give Plumley a bunch of minutes after the trade deadline and Stewart is their young big and he has stepped in inconsistent points, decent rebounds, but he is a blocks machine getting multiple blocks like every game. So that, I mean, depending on what their roster looks like next season, that's one of those guys like sixth, seventh round. That'll be real interesting to look at. Um, Oh yeah. Especially if you're, if you're looking for a big time blocks guy. Yeah, and I think uh, I think some of those block like I think blocks are easier to predict than steals. I think they're both hard to predict. So yeah, I think those big men and like even on nights where they don't get blocks, they should at least get you some rebounds. I think those guys are going to have very good, you know, not like uh, let's not get crazy, but yeah, I think those guys are going to have good middle round value in the next draft because yeah. and like. Um, you know, we talk about injuries that this isn't like this does. These aren't injuries that invalidate the matchups. Like we were just talking about if like Steph or Dame got hurt, but like Brennan not having Miles Turner, like, uh, oh, I never mind. I got a I thought Brennan won steals, lost blocks, but he won blocks even without Miles Turner, but still stinks um, for this coming week that he doesn't have Miles Turner. And then, uh, uh, especially going up against the team that rosters go bare. Um, yeah, but, and Chase didn't shit as I'm looking at it. Chase not only missed Porzingis the whole week, but he also missed Mike Conley the whole week. So that stinks. Yeah. It's not, it's not ideal. Um, it, it will be interesting to see blocks specifically in the championship round because yeah. I'm just looking at night Valanchunas for Brennan has three tonight. Um, but then Kyle Anderson for Paul randomly has two. So yeah, it's, it's early. We can we can make a big deal over all kinds of fun stuff on Monday night, but uh, I digress. Great matchup last for both matchups last week. Uh, sad ending for Chase, who got hit by the Paul buzzsaw like I did. Yep, yep. It is. Uh, it was a statement win, like we were saying, and uh, and this matchup. You know, this is the one seed versus a three seed in the championship matchup. We'll break it down a little more at the end, but it's uh, these these. There hasn't been a team in a playoff matchup yet that ha- hasn't been deserving. There hasn't really been any flukes in these playoffs, so um, that's exciting. And next year we will be an even deeper league of owners paying attention, and that challenge will, plus being three drafts in, will I'm sure, like we were saying, add so much parity. Um, before we get to some real life NBA predictions and then our championship matchup, um, let's sneak in one more trivia. Max is going to have to do this one by himself tonight, but this is one that um, I don't think you'll get all 10, but I think you'll get at least five. Um, And you know, y'all, if you're 
playing along at home. Good luck. Let us know how you did in the group text. Um, and here we go. So Steph Curry passed my boy Bradley Beal. Sorry, Kyle and my boy Bradley Beal um, for the lead in the scoring race this season. Um, if he wins the scoring title, it'll be his second of his career, and that will make him the 11th player since the NBA-ABA merger in 1976 to win multiple NBA scoring titles. How many of the previous 10 can you name? So these are 10 players since 1976 that all have at least two scoring titles. Great. Um, fun. I love that I get to do this one by myself as someone who has been so successful with uh, trivia in the past. So this is great. <laughs> this glad. is the night you redeem yourself. Yeah, this is the night I redeem myself. And it's a topic that people that actually really love and follow basketball, like they're, they're already rattling off like three or four names. And I'm just going to fumble through this and uh, try not to no. get myself. No, you got it. So the first name I'm going to give is James Harden. James Harden is correct. He's one of three active players on this list. He has three scoring titles. He actually has the last three scoring titles, 2018, 2019, and 2020. Um, though, you know, he's not going to, I don't think he's going to have enough games played actually to even qualify this year, but um, I digress. So you're one for one. I figured that was my layup. There are two more active players. Okay, not counting Steph Curry? No, Steph needs to finish, you know, he okay. needs to hold off Bradley Beal this week to get his second. Okay, uh, one of the other active players, I think, is Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant has done it four times, that's correct. It was the, um, it's the Thunder that got me. Like, I, I knew yes, he the, put up crazy numbers with the Thunder. He did it in 2010, 11, 12, and 14, 2014 being his... MVP year and the huge real MVP, which actually is a very nice video, but um, <laughs> so yeah, so there's two, two for two. Okay. Two for two. Uh, how about Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan did it 10 times. Jeez. No one else did it more than four. That doesn't mean Durant's the only one that did it four times, but no one else did it more than four except MJ who did it in 1987, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, 96, 97, and 98. And he wasn't eligible in 94 or 95. So he did it every single year that he played for 10 straight seasons over a span of 12 seasons. Right. So, so who pretty did fucking 94, 95? <laughs> I could, that would be quite the needle to thread, right? Right. I mean, uh, actually, you know what? I'm Hakeem. Was it Hakeem? No, Damn I was it. worried that you were going to guess Hakeem because they won the two championships that yeah. year. But uh, I'll tell you, somebody who won it in 90, who won the scoring title in 95, won another at another point. It wasn't in 94 to get on the list. Okay. So that, does that, has that player ever won a championship? That player has won multiple championships. Damn it. Okay, never mind. So it's not uh, not Sir Charles. Um, how about Shaq? It, that is the exact guy I was thinking of. He won the scoring title in 1995, which was his third year. In the, that was the year that they won the Eastern Conference. With the um, and then he, yeah, with Penny Hardaway. And then he did it again in 2000, which was his MVP season. 
Gotcha. And Shaq okay. won uh, the championship. That was the first year of their three-peat as well. Let me tell you, I'm feeling good right now. Like, I am just killing it. Yeah, dude, you're four for five. Um, how about Kobe? Kobe Bryant is correct. All right. Kobe only did it twice as well. I would have thought that Kobe did it more. I knew Kobe only won one MVP, but MVP in a random, but he only won two scoring titles and they were in 2006 and 2007. So like the smush Parker years, uh, like really post Shaq pre pow, not good Laker teams. And yeah, he scored a lot of well over 30 points a game. Both the years. smush Parker years, the, the number one player I liked having is my backup uh, point guard on NBA 2K because his first name was Smush. <laughs> Who wouldn't love Smush? He's the like, he's the like emblematic role player who is emblematic of how underwhelming they are, but also who has a name that's so distinct that I can remember it. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, okay. So I'm glad you have the years listed out here. Uh, I'm seeing a big gap that I want to give to LeBron. LeBron only has done it once. Son of a bitch. Okay. I mean, there's just, there's a lot missing there. Yeah, we are. So Max is now four for six, um, which means there are six players left. So far, he has gotten um, MJ, who did it 10 times, Durant, who did it four times, Harden three times, Kobe two times. Oh, and he, you, so sorry, you're five for seven. Uh, okay. I was behind on putting Kobe in, and then Shaq did it twice. So, and then Hakeem and LeBron were incorrect. So I have nobody. Between 2001 to 2005, currently guessed. I have nobody between 08. I don't have 08 or 09 guessed. Um, and I'm missing current player. I'm guessing that would be either 13, 15, 16, 17 uh, before James Harden. And some of those are Curry. I know that. So... Uh, how about Allen Iverson? Allen Iverson is correct. Hell he yeah. Four times um, in 1999, 2001, which was their finals year, 2002, and then again in 2005. Damn, four times. Okay. Yeah, he's tied for the second most since the merger with KD and another player. There's still an active player that I haven't named. And it's, it's so dumb. Like I've got names swirling around in my mind that it's like, yeah, it's not that fucking guy. Um, but an active player. Um, I don't know, man. Give me Jimmy Butler. No, Jimmy Butler's never won a scoring I, title. You know what? I'm just I'm looking for something here. I'm trying to think of guys that aren't. Stiff. I think you'll have a better shot at getting the non-active guys. Not there's two that are from um before our time on this list. One of them I'm sure you know, but I don't think you'll guess. The other I would be shocked if you got. There's the active player and then one other player from our growing up that are on here that are gettable. 
Okay. Okay. Uh, Kevin Garnett. No, but good guess. <laughs> hey, I'll take the good guess. The good guess credit is worth a lot to me. At least I'm, I'm going somewhere. Okay. I, there's one name I always throw out, and it's never right, but he was such a big deal to me for like a year or two. No, I think you're going to get this. Tracy McGrady? Yep. Oh, yeah. Tracy McGrady Thank did it God. in uh, in 2003 and 2004. And if we th- look back at... Oops, if we look back at uh, Iverson, he did it in 01, 02, and 05. So they were sort of going back and forth, and then Kobe in 06 and 07 after them. Um, and then there was, um, I don't know exactly who won some of these other ones other than the active player, but they were all one-offs except for Durant and this other active player until the last three years. It's funny because those are that's like the exact window. I was looking at Iverson and he won 01, 02, 05. And I'm like, okay, there are two years in between that. And maybe there's a chance that uh Iverson won it in two thousand or uh, that T Mac also won it in two thousand. But the the big thing that the reason he always pops up for me in these trivia things is I just the sports center highlights of him with those just insanely baggy shorts somehow putting up buckets is solid gold to me. Like to me, that's just the most ridiculous time of basketball fashion. No matter what anybody says about Stockton shorts or anything else, like it just is absolutely ridiculous. Oh, I, uh, yeah, I totally agree. The old, the like classic, uh, TJ Ford Milwaukee Bucks photo. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's the that's the like crown jewel of that era of fashion. It's what started with the Fab Five and looked cool as hell, eventually spiraled into that TJ Ford photo like 10 right. years later. Right. To the point where it's just they're wearing the basketball short version of Jinko jeans. Yes. Yeah. Which I mean, like, uh like it was. I mean, that was the whole culture of the time, like all the baggy suits and everything. Like, it's so funny when I remember being a kid and being like, man, all this fashion from the seventies looks fucking stupid. Like, but our stuff will never look stupid in the future. And now I'm looking back. I'm like, everything that I wore 15 years ago looks stupid. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was like, this puka shell necklace will stand. the Oh, <laughs> All right, so I, I've, guess I've, got, I've guessed player. 11 guys. And you are 7 for 11. For my final guess, I'm going to try and go early 80s. I mean, it, an obvious one has to be Kareem, right? No, because it's since 1976. Okay, okay. I'm just I'm giving you a peek at how much I know about when Kareem played. So that's good and embarrassing. Kareem played uh Kareem played like 21 years. So I mean he he there's he has plenty of career before and after that date. You're not like crazy. All right. Well give me uh I'll I'll take uh just a little Larry Bird. Nope. Larry Bird is incorrect. The correct answers one, the active player was is 
a guy we already mentioned on this podcast, oh. Russell Westbrook. Oh, I'm the dumbest boy in school. 2015, and again in 2017, his first average triple double year, and you know his MVP year. Um, the other two, one is George Gervin, the Ice Man, okay. who won scoring titles in 78, 79, 80, and 82. A quick aside on that: anyone that's got ESPN Plus, find Basketball: A Love Story. It's 10 episodes. It's like 15 hours of documentary. It's like a Ken Burns type documentary on basketball, but in a kicks ass. But there's one like six minute clip on the scoring title in, I think it was either 78 or 79. And it's George Gervin and David Thompson are separated by like a fraction of a point on the last day of the season. And um, so David Thompson, his team plays a day game. He plays for the Denver Nuggets who are another team like San Antonio that came over from the ABA and he scores 73 points. Now I think 70 points has only happened like four times since the merger that David Robinson did it. Uh, Devin Booker did it and Kobe had 81. And so it's like, that's one of the literally the greatest scoring performances of all time. And George Gervin needed 59 points to get back in front by a fraction of a point in the night game. And he scored 63 points in that game and won the scoring title and it's just like a six minute documentary clip on like them talking about it and it's really fucking funny a number of times george gervin george gervin is just the swaggiest old man you have to watch it <laughs> he's so he's the swaggiest like most braggadocious old man i'm gonna go watch it again after we record this i watched bits and pieces of that with you and what i saw i really liked i've obviously seen the ken burns documentary all the way through it's fantastic yep yeah, same. Um, the last guy is Adrian Dantley. I don't know if you know who that is. I don't at all. Never he, heard that name. I He played for a couple of different teams in his career. Great scorer, obviously. Um, he played for Dallas for a brief time in the late 80s, but he won his scoring titles in 1981 and in 1984 with Utah. This is before they had Stockton and Malone. Um, he came off the bench for um, Detroit's first, the Detroit Bad Boys first, or he came off the bench for the year before their first championship. And then their first championship year, you might remember from that 30 for 30, they traded him because he was this illustrious scorer and he didn't like being the sixth man. And so he got traded and then they won two titles without him. Yeah, I, I would have never gotten that one. I I should. I've heard of Gervin. I don't know enough about basketball history to have like placed him there. The only one I'm really embarrassed about is Russell Westbrook. I know for a fact Paul is listening to this right now. Like, what a dummy! It's <laughs> like that's the the that's prime him being on the on uh, freaking the Thunder and just going nuts. Yep. Well, in 2000. 15 is a long time ago. That was the war. It's or it feels that was the Warriors' first championship, right? And then 2017 was there was the Durant's first year in Golden State. So that was the first year Russ really went crazy by himself. But 15 and 16, it was still like God, like they are so close to just getting back to the finals. They should have obviously done it in 16, but I digress. That was a great, I told you, this was a redemption tour for you on the final trivia 
of the basketball season. Um, so hell yeah, you went seven for 12, but you more specifically, you went six for your first eight. So very well done. All right. It's prediction time. Obviously we're going to end with a prediction about our league championship, though. I think everyone listening already knows which way these two hosts are leaning. Sorry, Brennan. Yeah. So it's, it, that's nothing personal. I just, I feel like it's anticlimactic because that people know what we'll predict, but we'll get there and we'll talk a little more about it. And we'll talk about um, ways we think Brennan can, um, can get it done because all that matters is this one week in a vacuum. But um, first let's make some, some outlandish. Let's get our inner skip Bayless on and, and make some stupid predictions about real life NBA, you know, stretch run and playoffs. Um, we'll start with, I obviously love the play in tournament because it's giving the wizards this extra chance, um, to, to capitalize on this late season push. Um, I know Huck as a Spurs fan is feeling the same way. They're the 10 seed. Um, so you've got the East and West standings up in front of you. Um, give me, um, the two teams between seven and 10 that you think will come out of the East and the West. And I'll do the same. Um, okay. In the East, I honestly think given their momentum right now, one will be the wizards and the other one, in my opinion, could be the Hornets. Um, the Hornets have a real team. Like they, they got LaMelo back, right? He's playing. Yeah, LaMelo is back. Jalen Brown for the seven-seed Celtics is now out for the year. The Celtics are two games back, or at least they were when I copy-pasted these standings this afternoon, of Miami for the six-seed, so they're almost certainly in the play-in tournament. And so, you know, all they'll have to do is win one out of two games. So the way the play-in tournament works, by the way, is the seven plays the eight, and the winner of that game is the seven-seed. The nine plays the ten, and the loser of that game is eliminated. And then the winner of the eight or the winner of the nine, 10 game and the loser of the eight, nine game play one more single elimination for the eight seed. So seven and eight have two games to get one win. Nine and 10 have to get two straight wins to leapfrog. So there's a huge advantage to being in the seven, eight Boston will only have to win one out of two, but I think Charlotte and Washington will both beat them successively and get those two, um, and get those final two spots because Boston is just in disarray and now they have no Jalen Brown. Um, mentioned, so uh, a week ago, Charlotte came out and said that Gordon Hayward is no longer in a walking boot. And I, there's zero percent chance he comes back for the regular season unless it's just like, hey, we're going to give you the last 10 minutes of the game. But they're looking at going into the playoffs with LaMelo Ball, PJ Washington, Gordon Hayward, like they're full squad. Terry Rozier. I mean, Terry Rozier is, is a very good, I'll be curious to see if Chase keeps Rozier just cause he's in a double digit round, but I mean, yeah, they're a very fun offensive team. And, uh, you know, LaMelo is definitely, I think, um, you know, he's still a rookie, but I think he's showing, um, kind of basketball savvy beyond his years and, you know, already. And so that'll be, those will be interesting. It, I just, I don't know what Boston's mentals are like. They just got their asses absolutely ripped open by the Bulls on national TV over the weekend. 
Bulls are not even the Bulls are 11th in the East right now. They're double digit games below 500. So it's objectively a bad loss. And yeah, uh, I mean, that was the, the that was second, with Jalen Brown. That was the second game. Your cousin, Zach Levine uh, came back and he put up a good stat line against him. Yes. He had a, a great night that night. Um, but yeah, give me Charlotte and Washington as well. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think either of those teams are going to win a series. I think Washington has a chance to win two games on anybody just because um, they play at such a pace that if you just happen to have an off shooting night, they can get you. There's no way that'll happen four times, but I think they will be a pain in the ass first round out. Um, and yeah. So how about in the Western conference where we are likely to see Lakers warriors in, you know, that first seven, eight game winner gets the seven seed losers in a one game playoff for their season, Steph versus LeBron, like that's sexy. Do you think one, who do you like in that game? And two, do you think there's any chance that Memphis or San Antonio upsets the loser of that game? Uh, no. So I, I think it's going to be Lakers warriors in one, in some way, shape or form. Um, and out of, out of all, like out of those two, I like the Lakers, maybe not even for the seed game, but playoff LeBron is, he's not healthy right now, um, but he's gonna, he's going to be healthy, or at least he's going to be as healthy as he possibly can be when the playoffs start. And he's going to be playing just full go, ready to go. Um, And early in the season, him and Anthony Davis together looked the part of the number one overall team. So I think if anything, they're sneaking into these playoffs and they might be matched up against a team like the Suns or, I mean, I know the Jazz are an absolute juggernaut right now, but give me Lakers versus Suns as the 2-7 series. And I think the Lakers just destroy them. I I think the Lakers roll. I think they could sweep that matchup and that's nothing against the Suns. I just think a healthy Lakers team is not at all a a seven seed at all. Well, I think, yeah, The what's interesting about the West is the Lakers and the Warriors, both as low-seeded teams, I think threaten Utah and Phoenix way more than a team like, say, Dallas or Portland, who are higher up. It's almost like, I think, I bet Utah would love to be the three-seed and get Portland in the first round. So much more than they would want to be a 1-8 versus Golden State. Like, so it's sort of backwards, um, plus we've seen, you know, we haven't always seen it with LeBron's health like this, but we've seen plenty of LeBron teams fade down the stretch of the regular season only for that to not fucking matter in the playoffs. Like LeBron doesn't win. I mean, he's not usually the seven seed, but LeBron doesn't win the conference regular season championship hardly ever. So I don't know that he's done it, but once or twice out of all his finals trip years. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I think I I don't think playoff LeBron and Steph let them lose. What I want to see, because one of them has to lose the seven seed game, and that will just be really fun to watch. Uh, because I don't I have no I I think I pick the Warriors in that because they're just they've been sort of playing with their backs against the wall now for a little while. The Lakers are kind of fading, and so they need you know, they're going to need an easier opportunity than Golden State to kind of put their foot in the ground and stop the slide. 
Um, so I think Golden State will the seven. Then it will be you know, hopefully Memphis just because I'm, I'm sick of the Spurs always had success like just can you just fucking be bad and understand how it feels for a couple of years please <laughs> so i want memphis to beat them what i really want to see is morant have some sort of 50 point coming out party to steal the eight seed from lebron no way i think it happens but it would create an incredible narrative for i don't know about his playoff run but for his year three and like memphis's upside so that would be, you know, he's, uh, you know, unlike Golden State in L.A., Memphis with the nine seed are led by a second year player who's never right. obviously played in the playoffs. So that would just be if he fucks shit up, that would be really spicy. But I'm would, with you. I think Golden State seven, Lakers eight. It would be exciting. The thing I find most interesting about specifically the way the West is seated and just the this playoff or all these playoff matchups in general is that sorry i'm looking to make a sure tani didn't just hit a homer it went foul um so the the thing that i'm i care about the most with the western conference here and the thing that'll keep me actually watching basketball in the playoffs is the fact that assuming lakers and warriors get in every team from the two seed to the eight seed has at least one of those x-factor players that any given game can take over like the Suns have Devin Booker. The Clippers have a couple of different players that can take over. Nuggets have Jokic. Mavericks have uh, Doncic. Blazers have uh, Dame. And then obviously there's LeBron and Steph. And it's it's not saying that like Anthony Davis is an amazing player and, and there are other great players on those teams. But oddly enough, the only team that doesn't have that one guy, the only well-rounded team is the Jazz who have the best record in basketball. So it's well, I, you know, I think Donovan Mitchell is, is pretty good. Bubble playoffs are not necessarily the same as real playoffs, but he had pretty awesome um, first round bubble series last year, though they did blow three, one Phoenix, Devin Booker, but also Chris Paul, who is uh, um, I think having one of the top five seasons in the NBA, um, you know, they're going to obviously need to really lean on Chris Paul. DeAndre Ayton's never played a playoff game. Devin Booker's never played a playoff game. And Chris Paul is obviously the difference between 8-0 bubble darlings and 48-20 and 20 second seed in the West. But I I agree with you. I Utah um, and Phoenix, I think they would rather um, – I think they would rather be seated more in the middle and play other – middling teams like a Denver who doesn't have Jamal Murray anymore because right. these lower seeded teams and the middling teams t uh, do too. But like I, the, the Clippers don't deserve any playoff respect. Like no. Portland's made a Western conference finals just on Damon CJ recently. So like the Portland could easily win that series first round. See a Clippers. Like I, I'm, I wouldn't bet on that series one way or the other. Like I might bet on individual games, but I wouldn't bet a future on that series just because, I mean, I don't trust the Clippers at all. Dallas, obviously, like Luka playoffs year two, year one with fans. It's, a lot of that's going to hinge on if Porzingis plays and how well, but he's an obvious X factor. It's going to be, the even the East playoffs are interesting just because, I mean, Miami is the sixth seed, but they... uh they were awful early in the season and they obviously had the shortest off season of anyone in, you know, major U S sports in a long time. 
And so they got off to a really slow start. Now they're red hot. They played maybe the best defense in the conference and they're going to get Milwaukee in the first round if the season ended today. That's like a spicy six, three upset. Meanwhile, the Knicks and the Hawks, who I think both the Bucks <laughs> and the Heat would definitely beat, are playing each other, and one of them gets to advance. Like the seedings are kind of upside down in the East as well. Yeah. West is better, but that sort of that principle of the matter still exists. I just I don't care as much about the East, I guess, because you have teams like and, and no disrespect to the Knicks and Hawks, but at, nobody thinks that they are. Well, they're up and coming teams. At least they have winning records. Oh, like yeah. the East is going to have playoff teams again for like the fifth year in a row. At least one of the eight playoff teams is going to have a losing record. So, meanwhile, the West has nine teams with winning records right now. So, they, there's definitely still an imbalance. But I do think, I mean, if there's any Eastern Conference team you would like, it's Miami. Yeah. No, I, I like Miami a lot. I don't give a shit about the Sixers. I've said it before. I'm, I'll put money on the Sixers losing no matter who they're facing because it just seems like that's what they do. They, they <laughs> get the playoffs. They can have a really impressive looking roster and, and Embiid is this fiery, exciting player and Ben Simmons is positionless and they lose. They lose every fucking year. So, yep. you know, I'm not, I'm not really worried about them. Well, so that's interesting. The next item on our list of predictions was give me somebody who's in the top four seeds in either conference that you think could lose early. Um, and you're not necessarily saying Philly will lose to an eight seed, but like, you know, they even, you know, they'll get an eight seed and then they'll get as of right now, the winner of Knicks Hawks. But are you still taking Philly as your, you know, team that, uh, you know, even just a top two team that won't get to the conference finals? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I would put them on upset watch. And if there's good odds to just bet against them in their first series, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. If it's like plus 250, I'll take it. I'll take it and run with it. And even if they move on to the next round, I'd bet against them again because they just, there's a, a clutch star factor that, in my opinion, matters, especially when it comes to the playoffs. And lots of players have it. And MB doesn't. And Ben Simmons doesn't. Like it's, and they've had a bunch of role players roll through on different versions of unsuccessful playoff teams. I'm just, I'm not interested in them in the East. Interesting. Well, I'll give uh, my minds in the West and I kind of already touched on it, but it's the Clippers because I think, um, you know, they have fucked up in the playoffs with this core before they have, um, They've kind of been an on-again, off-again relationship in terms of team chemistry. And we've seen Dame and CJ win series by themselves before. We've seen them prop up an undercoached team before. Um, at the very least, they're healthier now than they have been for a lot of the year, even if a lot of guys are playing hurt. At least they're playing hurt and not sitting injured. Um, and so I think, you know, if it falls to where uh, the Clippers hold off Denver and keep the three seed, then I think Portland could definitely upset them in the first round. Um, and then you would be, they would be moving on to face either Phoenix or the seven seed, which again is going to be somebody in a play in tourney. So then that gets real spicy with game time, but um, okay. So, we picked some, we picked some upsets. We picked kind of the playoff bubble. 
Um, let's get all NBA teams because I don't really understand how the voting on that goes a lot of times. Give me your conference final matchup prediction in each conference and then, you know, predict through to the finals for me. On the okay. Spot. All right. Uh, conference final matchup. So I think in the East, and I got to make sure I don't fuck up my seating here. Um, I do think the Nets make it for sure. And give me Nets heat. Ooh, okay. That's, in the East, that's, I like that's, that. To me, well, no, that's... you can't because right now the Nets, well, shit. I mean, see, the Nets could fall too. But right now the Nets are going to be either the two or the three. I guess the Heat are only a half game back of the five and a game back of the four. So, yeah, fuck it. I allow it. Any, okay, good. All these seeds can move. Brooklyn and Miami, is, they could definitely be on either side of the bracket. That's the thing. They're they're Everybody's half game. Well, not everybody, but two and three are half game away. Four and five are half game away from each other. And five and six are half game away from each other. Yeah, so four just, through six are one game apart. Those are, to, in my opinion, the two best playoff ready teams. Even yeah. with the, the big skid that Brooklyn had, um, when they're when they're hot, they're unstoppable. Like we saw the streak and getting in the zone like that for the playoffs. That's it's something Durant's been able to do before. Um, it's something I feel like Harden will step up to the plate for. Like I, I think they'll. It's Kyrie has a lot of experience with it. I think they'll end up putting it together in time. Okay. Um... If if Miami can get themselves up into the four five and off the same side of the bracket as Brooklyn and Milwaukee, because I don't think either of them will catch Philly for the one, like they'll be on the two three six seven side. So if Miami can get up to the four five, I do like your thinking on them upsetting Philly. Um, I mean, they've had way more playoff success even very recently than Philly. Um, and then I do like. Milwaukee to upset Brooklyn. I I really can't discern if I just want this to happen or if I really think it can happen, but I just think Milwaukee plays really good defense. They are a team that can um they can kind of meet Brooklyn halfway, I feel like uh, from a pace perspective. Um I mean, this year they actually average more points per game than Brooklyn. Now that's not pace adjusted, but um, they have the best average margin of victory in the league. Milwaukee does or in the conference at least. So um, I, I like them to, you know, I don't think you slow down Brooklyn. I think you can slow them down enough to where um, to where you can kind of play through Giannis. I really like a lot of their um, complimentary players like Pat Connaughton's really good defensively and he can kind of be a lethal three and D guy. I'm sure he'll have a game in these playoffs where he makes like five threes randomly book it. Uh, and so, yeah, so I think I'm taking Brooklyn to upset Milwaukee or excuse me, Milwaukee to upset Brooklyn in the conference semis and Miami to upset Philly in the conference semis. Um, and then did you pick who you, you had winning the conference finals? I think it'll be Brooklyn. I think it will be Milwaukee. So Giannis gets to his first finals. Um, that's my prediction. So we'll, we'll put a pin in those teams. How about in the Western conference? So in the Western conference, I do think the jazz, uh, go to the conference finals. Um, they're going to have home court advantage. 
and they're 31 and four at home. Like that's absolutely incredible. Like in front of racist polygamists, <laughs> they are as good as it gets. You know what I mean? Yep. And you know, they're scoring more points than any other team in the West. They are allowing less points than any other team in the West aside from the Lakers. Um, and that's just barely. And they're scoring much more than the Lakers do. And I know I said Donovan Mitchell's not a star. And I'm not, I don't mean like he's not a great basketball player. They don't have a best player on the team because they do. Um, but you know, they've it's the who's their sixth man, Clarkson. I think he's the number yep. two scorer on their team. And between him and Rudy Gobert and and uh you know, all all kinds of Bogdanovich. Yeah, I I wanted to say I can't remember if they have the good or bad. I think they have the good Bogdanovich, right? They have the good Bogdanovich. Atlanta's Bogdanovich has been pretty good, but the very good, the one that used to play for the Wizards, among others, is in Utah. Yeah, not my Bogdanovich. (laughs) He's Bojan. Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, plays for Atlanta. I just, I love the idea. I just, Bogdan Bogdanovich is such a... I know it's just it's just Steve Stevens like that's it. I just I don't know where they're from, but that's what I imagine it is the cultural equivalent to. It's fantastic. I love it. So yeah, uh, give me the Jazz going to the conference finals and little little spice uh, for who they're facing. But give me the Blazers. Who Damon CJ second time to the conference finals? I I do it. have them. Oh, go ahead. I just, I like it so much, man. Like I, I, first of all, just love Dame Lillard for sticking with Portland. Um, and I just, I love the Blazers as a team. Like, I think they've just got such an interesting team with the addition of, of they added Norman Powell. They added Gary Trent. Um, Mello still matters. They have the Cantor Nurkic duo, which I obviously paid a lot of attention to and uh, in going into the fantasy playoffs. So all of that is aside from Dame Lillard, who is arguably a top five player in the NBA. Like it, it's to me, they are an outstanding team. And I was a little surprised to see them seated at the six right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've just, they played a lot of the year without Nurkic. They played a lot of the year without CJ McCollum. Dame's been, you know, playing hurt at different times. They, uh, you know, they've, they made a trade in the middle of the season. So it's been a very imperfect journey. So I'm not surprised that they are maybe better than what their record shows because they haven't always been operating at this level. And Nurkic is never going to be the same player again. You know, he's averaging 11 and nine, which is very, very serviceable, but he's, um, you know, I mean, he has a less, lesser, efficiency rating even than Cantor. And so, you know, there was once a time where I feel like he was markedly better than Cantor and not a platoon player. So, but, but now that he's in the rotation, Cantor has reached like a new level of efficiency. Yeah. Like that is true. It's absolutely insane. Giving Cantor less minutes and he just goes out on the floor and commands the boards like it's the boards are his when he's on the court now i there were so yeah, he averages many. 11 and 11 i mean when you you average a double double for a season that's you can't disrespect that you absolutely know I mean? that's a consistently good good dependable starting center so many games or so many nights for the past couple weeks or the past six weeks or so 
I've been able to enjoy getting like 23 rebounds a night from my two Blazers bigs. Um, yep. And it's part of it is, you know, oh, Nurkic is back. He's really good. They give him a lot of minutes. And part of it is Enos, when you don't give him a whole lot of minutes and he can go out there and just go full on, like pedal to the metal while he's on the floor, he is absolutely ridiculous off the bench. So, yep. I, I like the, I like the Blazers. I like the Jazz. The Blazers um, and the Jazz are the two highest scoring teams in the West. Um, the Blazers give up a lot more points than the Jazz do. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I like the Blazers in the first round against the Clippers. I think I'm going chalk in the West, which actually feels like an upset because it's Utah and Phoenix. Um, <laughs> but I think from Utah's perspective, yeah, best home record in the league, 31 and four. They have one home game left in the regular season. Like that's, you know, fucking insane. And, uh, and they are just, you know, they're so good on both sides of the ball. Um, they've just, they've got shot makers. Mike Conley's had a renaissance. They really need him to come back and be some sort of a factor for the playoffs. They found great depth with Clarkson. Like you've said, um, they've got a great rim protector and Gobert, who, um, you know, in the, in the regular season, a lot of teams play kind of vanilla defense. You know, if it's a pick and roll, they'll, um, they'll fade back their big and they'll have their guard chase over the top to make you kind of enticed, most enticed to shoot a mid range jumper. But, you know, in the playoffs, you don't want to just give anybody that easy a shot. So as defenses get more sophisticated teams who don't have a Rudy Gobert are going to get exposed. Um, and so I think that's going to be interesting, um, you know, in a few different series in both conferences, but I think Utah is, is sort of has the antidote to that. So I think they're going to beat the Lakers in a one, eight series. Um, I don't think it'll be easy, but I think they will. And then I think they'll beat Dallas in the second round after Dallas ousts Denver, which is maybe a adopted Homer pick. Um, Phoenix is a little spicier, but, um, you know, I think golden state is very beatable for them. Chris Paul is, has played lockdown defense in the playoffs many times before. Um, he's never reached a finals, but, um, you know, if they, if they, you know, get golden state and then Portland as their two matchups, those are two very winnable matchups. Um, and so that's sort of how I think it'll play out. Um, and then I know you still need to predict your series. I think I'm going to take Utah over Phoenix. But to your point on Utah's home record, Phoenix has the best road record in the Western Conference at 22-11. and 11, And they have three road games left in their final four games of the regular season. But, um, you know, if they're playing Utah in that 1-2, it's Utah with the great home record and Phoenix, who's a great visiting team. Um, that would be a really interesting series. It could go 7 um, but give me Utah to win the Western Conference, which just sounds wrong as I'm saying it out loud. Like that just <laughs> like it won't happen. Oh, that's my God. Uh, like, I'm so glad that when you started this out, when we were going into this topic, you were like, all right, let's put our Skip Bayless hats on because that sets the, <laughs> that sets the low bar for all this because I know like a month from now, whatever it is, it's this might look very different. But I'm picking Portland to go to the championship against the Nets. Hey. That's the that, that's the matchup I want to see. I want to see six or seven games of that matchup. I think it would be just fantastic. 
Oh, I think I think Portland in the finals, Dame Lillard in the finals. You know, he's a star who is deserving of that kind of stage. I, you already said it. I love. I think we all, um, all of us who are you know fans of a hometown team um, in any sport, love that kind of loyalty. And like Dame wants to be an all-time great Blazer, and he wants to do what Bill Walton did in the '70s and win a championship for Portland. And uh, you know, get a statue in Portland. Well, he's going to get a statue either way, but, um, I, you know, they are an awesome offensive team. They are probably, again, they probably have more people available in in their rotation now than they have at any point this season. So it's not that outlandish. I mean, I think the West is wide open because number one and two are Utah and Phoenix who Phoenix, other than Chris Paul is no playoff experience. Utah blew three, one in the first round year clippers choke all the time denver has no jamal murray dallas has luca zero playoff series wins and chris Stapps's health is a question mark like the lakers and warriors have to go through a play in tournament like there's reasons to shrug at every single team in the west so i don't think there's any you know the this is what we've wanted for a while since katie went to golden state and made it unfun and in some sense this is what we've wanted is a wide open playoffs and yeah, I think the it's, West is why nice open. that it's not LeBron versus the Warriors. And if LeBron wins the Western Conference, <laughs> like he'll he'll do it as a seven or an eight seed, having to play through an unprecedented play in tournament just to do that. So like that would even be, you know, a Michael Jordan fan is still gonna be like, oh well, Jay was never seven or an eight seed, but he was in the eighties and they fucking lost. But anyway. Um so you've got uh Portland and Brooklyn finals. I've got Milwaukee and Utah. Um, Adam Silver, I almost said David Stern. Sheesh. Adam Silver prays that I am wrong. I can't think of two <laughs> less marketable markets than Salt Lake City and Milwaukee. Um, you, you know, you've got Brooklyn, Bed-Stuy, Daisy Sinmaro, other references, um, and Portland, which is the hipster city where every drug is semi-legal. So that would be a little more fun. I also think that that matchup has enough star power to draw a like oh yeah every out of market yeah. fan. Yes, um, I mean Brooklyn's star power is very obvious, and then um, and then yeah, I think Portland at least Dame is has ascended to that level of right. of elite. Our opinions of Dame are not unique, you know. Like right. I, I think everybody to a certain extent roots for him. Everybody loves seeing Carmelo come back and be relevant rather than just yes. you know some lazy chucker off the bench. Not to like what he's done these last two years in Portland and, um, and yeah, Brooklyn obviously doesn't hurt for star power. Who do you take in that series? Um, Jared Walsh just hit a home run. Um, I think I still have to take the nets. I would be rooting for Portland. I would be rooting for Portland, but I still think the best shot of winning is the Nets. No, I mean, I, I, um, I'm taking a team that that I have beating the Nets in Milwaukee to to win and Giannis get his first ring. Um, so I'm kind of with you. In you know, I don't think it's outlandish to think a top Eastern Conference team can beat a top Western Conference team. No. The Western Conference is better and deeper, but that the one team that wins it all, it you know, I think the East has a couple of very good shots at it. Um, 
And yeah, I think if Brooklyn won it legacy wise, it would impact a lot. Um, you know, Kyrie would get a title independent of LeBron. KD would get a title independent of Steph, even though, you know, by that same logic, they got one together. Weirdly, it's like, it is somewhat affirming. Um, and then James Harden gets himself off the list of league MVPs that haven't won a championship. You know, the, the Barkley Malone list. Um, so I have Giannis getting off that list. In fact, if, if my prediction came to fruition, so, um, a lot of legacy shaping, if either, if either of those teams were to win it all, whereas if Utah won it all, I think it would be more of like an Oh four Pistons, like narrative about the team and, um, like Quinn Snyder, the head coaches, you know, uh, we'd hold him in a higher esteem more than it would be like legacy shaping for Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert. Yeah. I, I don't, I've heard the, like I've, I've heard the Giannis being on the Barkley list um, thing before. And I'm just like, dude, he's 26, you know, is the best player he's ever played with is Chris Middleton and Chris Middleton's a good player, but like we're in the, the super team. It's still the super team era, no matter what anybody says. Like if you're looking yeah. at him, it's a super team era and he is a freak of nature, but he's not good enough to be like LeBron and take a team to a to the finals all on his own in the East. Well, I think though, that's what puts more pressure on, you know, Westbrook's not going to get to a finals. He might, he might just not do it, but there were only, there's only five retired MVPs that don't have championships. Barkley Malone, Iverson, Steve Nash, no, there's four because Derrick Rose is still active. So Derrick Rose is probably going to become the first one. The or the uh, he'll, he'll probably become the first MVP to not make the Hall of Fame ever. But um, he he might not be able to get off the Schneid. Russ now might not be able to get off the Schneid because he's stuck in Washington. But Harden and Giannis, who have been buried in the LeBron era and the Warriors era for so long, like now there's more parody than ever. So I, they've got to both be looking at this wide open field and being like, this is our chance to get one. If we're going to get one, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I, I get that. Um, yeah. I, I just, I don't know the, I would like to see, I, I, I would like to see it be more difficult for super teams to exist, but I know that that's a, that's a completely different issue. That's a different tangent to go off on, but um, you know, the, this whole players choose where to go and where the super teams exist. And the cities are just kind of the, the brands that they're choosing to build themselves through. It just, it, it's the opposite of every other sport. It's probably, it's doing better by the players, but it sucks as a fan of a local city team. Like that's why we love seeing Dane the way he is. That's why I hope Luca stays with Dallas forever, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, and I think it's moving a lot of basketball fans away from being fans of a team and more just into your fans of a player or you're the fan of your bets or right. your fantasy team. And I mean, I think a lot of sports, there's a lot of people who are fans of their bets and fans of their fantasy team, but like in the NFL, like we just saw at the draft, like people went out to fucking Cleveland in the rain to watch guys from college get picked 
to be among 53 guys on their team to play six months from now. Right. Like got body paint and all the shit. Like there's so much deep loyalty where it's like, um, you know, it's tough to be like, yeah, like, you know, I'm not, I won't martyr as a Wizards fan. It's, t- it's got to be really tough to be a Timberwolves fan. Sure. Yeah, like, absolutely. Browns gotta- fans show up to the draft every year. Yep. They go, they fill up the stadium every year wearing stupid outfits and helmets and all kinds of other shit and suffer every year because, you know, it's, it's, it's easier to be, I, well, I guess Browns is a terrible example. It shouldn't be easy to be a Browns fans fan at all, but it's easier to root for a team expecting some sort of consistency out of your core players when you're watching baseball or football. Yeah. So I'm with you there. Um, but we, now we've got this stuff on record, so we'll see how it comes to fruition this summer. Um, the finals, I guess are going to be sometime in July this year. So, um, should be interesting. Um, okay. So, um, let's talk. Do you want to, uh, do you want to predict our championship matchup last, or do you want to do off-season, like Hardwood Dynasty off-season outlook last? Let's talk about the championship matchup first um, before we get on to the off-season. Off-season's not here yet. We're excited for it because it's the only thing we have left. Um, but there is still a championship to be played. Like you said, we've been pretty open about who it is we're picking but at least mine's consistent, you know. I've picked against Brennan despite getting my ass kicked by him twice, <laughs> like every week. And I say it every week, like I, you know, I can't explain it, Brennan. I just don't think you're going to win this week. I did it to, to Chase too. I think the first time I was ever right was this past week. And so I'm, you know, Paul's my horse, I'm riding him to the finish. Um, and I mean that in the grossest way you can picture. Like I, I think, I think Paul's got the win this week. Because for, for all the reasons that we talked about earlier, you know, he's got two players that are just in unbelievable form right now with Dame and Steph Curry and the rest of the team that he's built around it is absolutely insane. Like he's got Middleton, Gobert, Isaiah Stewart, the ultimate role player right now. Um, you know, he still has Kawhi. I feel like we, we talk about his team a lot and how he does in these matchups. Dude's got Kawhi and Jimmy Butler. You know, and those are not his two star players, you know, so oh. it's it's absolutely ridiculous. The roster he's been able to put together this year um, and not to mention there's he's got Diallo on his bench, who is not a star player by any means at all. But on the Pistons roster, similar to Isaiah Stewart is has, has been a great stat stuffer situationally, like before he got into the health. Oh, yeah. Season health and safety protocols. He had a 35.7 rebound game last week, you know, just another, another piece of Paul's vast arsenal. Um, And that's not to say Brennan doesn't have a great team. He, I would be feeling a lot better for him if he had miles Turner going this week, but he still has Kyrie. He still has Jokic. You know, he, he still has an absolutely incredible team. Um, I don't think Paul's beatable right now. I I think Paul is going to be like the undisputed best champion that we'll have for a long time, like roster wise. If we 
we look at next season's champion and we look back to how Paul's team looked this year, it's not going to be close. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, and, um, so as to not be redundant, I will say, um, and I was the only one that, that picked Brennan last week. So I appreciate you fam, but, but, um, Brennan so far is doing, and it's such a small sample size. It's part of one night, but, um, he got five blocks from Valanchunas. He's got Mo Bamba, who is averaging like three blocks a game his last 10 games. Um, you know, he's, he should, uh, ride those guys in Jokic and Moses, um, in rebounds, Moses Brown, um, the chosen, the chosen one. Um, <laughs> and so again, I think if he wins the two defensive categories and turnover, I think if he wins the five non, um, non points or scoring related categories, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, turnovers of which right now he's losing in those three to two. Um, but again, everything is such a small sample. If he can win those three categories, then he can get Paul with field goal percentage or free throw percentage. Right now he's winning both of those. Um, now I, I, again, I'm picking Paul as well, but, um, but that's like I was saying earlier, what I think is sort of the avenue for Brennan to get this win is he's got to find every single category that doesn't have to do with scoring. He's got to rack rack up. Um, and what makes that harder is, um, and I haven't been paying attention to who any of these people have been streaming. I, um, it makes me sad to look at fantasy basketball push notifications now. Um, but, uh, I do think that Brennan is probably going to have to stream for scoring. And so he's going to need to try and win those categories kind of organically. So, um, it's not, it's not going to be easy. It's not impossible. I am taking Paul. I'm taking him. He's up seven, four. Now I think Brennan can win at least three categories, which means nothing, but just for, um, I think he can technically keep it closer than chase. So for what that's worth. Um, so yeah, so I think we're both, we're both picking Paul. Um, and I think everybody recognizes the kind of tear that Paul's team is on, um, one way or another, one of these teams is going to get their name on the championship trophy this summer. Um, and they're going to, um, be presented with that trophy. Um, if it's, if it's Brennan, I, um, might just have it, um, shipped to you so you can have, uh, more time with it. Um, if it's Paul, I can bring it to you cause you live in Dallas. Um, but one of you will get this trophy this summer. Um, and you will be the only name on it for a year. Um, and so that is my, um, filled, uh, segue, damn it. Segue I think, into, I think there should be a ceremony. That's just me. We, so, so looking into the off season. Yes. So w let's just get into all of it. We can, I think, a trophy presentation ceremony and would require a live draft. I think all of us would love a live draft. I think the only, I don't think it does. I don't. So I think first of all, I'm pro live draft, but I think you can do a trophy presentation ceremony pre-draft. 
I and it's I don't think you can have a presentation ceremony that's mandatory to to attend in person, but like hell, if we can figure out a time this summer if Brennan wins it for him to come on down and go to the bar with us and we present it to him and anybody that can't make it, we'll make sure to get a good video of it. I think that's worth it. You know, obviously we cover his bar tab. He's a champion. Same goes for Paul. If, if it's, uh, all logistically, Paul, I like them both a great deal. Paul logistically, it's easier because he's already here. We, we, he plans a night where his wife is, is covering with the kids. And yeah, we go get him very drunk on our dime because he's the champion. And then once he's already very drunk, then we do some sort of presentation and absolutely. have that on file forever. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, to me, that's the dream scenario. And I have never seen Paul very drunk and he might object to the idea. I've never seen Paul very drunk either. He might object to the idea. He might say, guys, I'm a father. I can't be very <laughs> drunk. To which I would respond, well, Paul, this is how champions are crowned. Okay. Like yeah. no, no champion was crowned with a Topo Chico in his hand. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> there's just no way you, I want a slurred speech for those and you guys, you guys, I could, you trades, we traded, you know, like I need, this is as drunk the, as Dirk or as drunk as Tom Brady at the end of the last um, parade on the boat in Tampa. For sure. For sure. But I think this is the beginning of pageantry which is something that uh, our league deserves. Sure. We've talked enough on these podcasts every single week to, to give this level of importance to the trophy presentation. So that's, that's my first stance on that. I obviously am pro live draft as well. No, I mean, I'm, I'm in favor of a lot of the, you know, part of what makes it fun is taking it too seriously. And like, yes. um, and so, yeah, I, I like that idea. It's logistically easier if Paul wins. If Brennan wins, we'll work something out for sure. We can at least ship to him and have him send a, a video. We have like a running shtick in our in our college friends group text, which is also fantasy football league, where we do victory shots. Like when any whenever any of the teams we support um, win. So like right now, if your major league baseball team wins a series against another guy in the friend group's team, you set, take a video of yourself taking a shot and send it in the group text with a little shit talk. Mm -hmm. And so um, in that spirit, Brennan could do like a, could do like a victory shot or a victory, like chug out of a trophy or something. If visiting Dallas is unfeasible, Brennan, you're always welcome to stay with us here in Dallas. Um, but yeah, I love that live draft. I also, love again if you're out of town brennan and luke i understand that completely um you know that shit's expensive um everyone else in our league lives in in texas so it's all dry it's all a drive and and really not a ton of time being needed to take off work but i think live draft at an airbnb somewhere in you know either you know dallas houston san antonio austin would be so you think, given the proximity that everybody has right now, in other leagues, the champion chooses where the draft is. But we've never done a live draft. And so if Brennan says, listen, we're going to do the draft up here with me, chances are we're going to get like three of us up there in a room and a bunch of people on Zoom. No, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be really tough for uh, anyone with kids to to do that. Whereas if it's in Texas 
it's everything is like within four hours if it's right. one of those four cities. Right. We can do the draft on a Saturday night where everybody can stay the night somewhere and and you know it it'll be yeah. ridiculous. But uh but I think that would be really fun. And we wouldn't even get all the Texans in the league, but we will have two new owners and um I have I don't wanna like I don't want to introduce anyone because i haven't asked them yet but i have one person definitely in mind and then i have a couple others who i'm considering if any of you think you know somebody who um would be interested let me know obviously a criteria is just checking every day you know again the fun of it is taking it too seriously so I don't want anyone to get fired from their job or anything like that because of this league but like if it's somebody who is going to sort of be triumphantly casual, then it's like, eh, I don't know if we're looking for that, but we will have two new owners. They'll probably both be people here in Texas. And so I'm hoping we would have good live draft attendance. It takes much less time than the baseball draft though. We would go with untimed picks for everybody. Yeah. Um, well, given, given the roster sizes and the amount of keepers we have, it, I don't think it would take nearly as long, especially in the early rounds. It's only it's only nine picks a piece. There's right. 14 rounds and five keepers, so we'll still turn that into like three or four hours. But like, sure, but yeah, it's just an evening. Or we, if we want to do it at high noon, then we can just all go to bed earlier from day drinking. I mean, you know, uh, I prefer high noon. Um, but either way, I, I agree with you. I think that would be a fantastic time. I I think it's important to point out. You know, yes, you shouldn't be fired from your job for paying too much attention to fantasy. But that being said, I'd be much further in my career if it wasn't for fantasy sports. Okay. And I, <laughs> I chose that life. And I think that's the life where we're all choosing. That's the kind of person we're looking to add into the <laughs> um, And I think that's the kind of person we already have in the league. I, I know most of most of the people in the league from fantasy baseball or fantasy football or personal relationships in the past. And that's, that's just the way we look at it. So yeah, I, I am, I have high expectations for the newcomers. Yeah. And, and I mean, so they will have a runoff draft. I did a little, like I, I was stoned one night and I did a little like look at all because Paul put that chart together of everybody's keepers at, who are the keepers from those two teams? And they made like no moves. So all their players are keeper eligible. Some notables are, you know, Luca in the first, obviously, Jason Tatum in the third. That's a top 15 fantasy player this year who um, will get kept in the third round. Sabonis in the sixth round. Clay Thompson is definitely a, a big risk reward, but that's the 11th round. So much lower risk than reward in that sense. Um, Donovan Mitchell in the second, obviously, is I would say he's, you know, that's he's probably at that value. I think that's still worth keeping. He's still going to get you good scoring numbers and good shooting percentages. Brandon Ingram, I don't think is going to be a Pelican next year. I don't know that, but um, either way, he's in the ninth. That's valuable. Joe Ingles in the 12th. That's another guy on Utah that just gets buckets from three. He's going to be way better than 12th round value. Mikhail Bridges of Phoenix, who's, you know, obviously a resurgent team. We'll see him much more in these playoffs, these real life playoffs, but he in the seventh round is probably above value. So that's eight guys right there that I think, you know, we'll probably go f at least four and four to these two new teams 
and then they'll each even be you know they'll have their choice between like fucking like you know the other one could take trey young in the first or they could just see what's there with their first round pick um see in the second i wouldn't d'angelo third russell in the third i wouldn't um larry marketing in the fifth i wouldn't patrick beverly in the 14th maybe dennis Schroeder in the 12th maybe but point being these guys will have they won't be starting from shit. The whole reason we're doing this little runoff draft is so they'll both have a decent keeper foundation. And if they draft decently, they should be realistically able to make the playoffs in year one. Luke made the playoffs in year one and was battling injury luck the whole, or he almost did rather. And sorry, Victor. And, but he, uh, <laughs> but he was battling injury stuff the whole year as a rookie in the, in this league. So yeah. Um, Luke is definitely, and, and Brennan before him, it's Fytal bias, but they, they've definitely been good standard bearers for new entrants into the league. For sure. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's impossible to deny. And Luke barely missed the playoffs this year. I just, I, I love the, the base that we've got now. I, you can trade talk with just about everybody in the league. Yep. Um, and a surprising amount of people listen to this podcast. So you know, I'm glad people have enjoyed this at least. Um, and I'm glad that the, the group text has been a lot of fun this year. It's been a great way to take our minds off of, you know, the unending boredom, uh, at times. So, yep. Yeah. It's been a great year. And just to, as a plug, since this will be our last basketball podcast, um, there is a podcast for our sister baseball league. Um, that will have revolving hosts tomorrow will be, I think Huck, Max and I, there'll be other people on it that those of you who are in basketball only won't know at times. You obviously, if you're not in the baseball league, you won't uh, like see our teams, but if you like baseball and you just like our brand of bullshit while you're working, it, it will be the same people, different sport. So if you even just like baseball and are, are interested, there's a plug. Yeah, we'll have uh, we'll have trivia and all the. It'll be a very similar format to what we're doing here. So, um, to uh, to wrap it up for the season, to Paul, to Brennan, good luck to you guys in the finals. Next time there's a basketball podcast, um, we'll be um, reflecting in past tense on an awesome trophy presentation ceremony and um, probably talking about an upcoming live draft for the. 21-22 season. So thanks for a great year. Max, uh, Huck, Andrew, um, who else is hosting Brennan. it? Brennan. Um, this has been really fun. Everyone else who listens, you guys are goofballs. Thanks for putting up with our self-indulgence. Yeah, let's get month. some new voices on the podcast uh, as guests next year. Yes. I that in all sincerity, like I um the only episodes I listened to were I think there's one I wasn't on. And I really enjoyed listening and I'd be happy to sit out more and, and widen the rotation of, of uh, blowhard hosts that we've set a standard for here. Dude, we've got to get, we've got to get Victor. I want Victor hosting one week just to see what happens. Oh, I dude, his kids will have a starring role. Absolutely. Um, in the background. I'm Absolutely. Sure. He's, he's got a kid that's named Luca and, and I yeah, guarantee you we would hear some insight from him. <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> yes, that would be uh fun. I think um yeah, if you want to be on next year, 
let us know. That would be awesome. Um, again, good luck to our finalists. Max, do you want the last word of the season? Uh, good luck to Brennan and Paul. I have nothing to say about my ass. All right. To untainted assholes through the summer. <laughs> Vax girl summer. <laughs> see y'all. All right. See you. I love the way you do it cause you do it so crazy. I'm counting down. So turn around. Five, four, three, two, one. I make that booty I love the way you do it, how you take it to the flow Show them how you do it like you're ready